It's time for episode 283 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, February 27th, 2019. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where we'll be back in time for supper. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and across the internet for me, sitting in for Micah Sargent, who's on assignment, it is my old friend and podcast compatriot, Mr. Jason Snell. Welcome back to Clockwise, Jason Snell. Dan, it's good to be back on Clockwise. Things look pretty good around here. You haven't uh, trashed the place? I appreciate no, it. No, we've swept. We make sure that the uh, <laughs> the clock keeps running. That's good, yeah. that's. I mean, that is the most important thing, is gotta, make sure the clock keeps you gotta running. Wind it. You gotta wind it every week. That's what you told me. I assumed you weren't lying. Mm-hmm. Well, this is, of course, the technology podcast where we talk... About four topics with two fantastic guests. To my left this week, it is a freelance writer and the host of the Material Podcast right here on Relay FM, as well as the Android show. It's Florence Ion. Welcome back, Flo. Hello. And to my left, it is one of our old colleagues from IDG. Uh, I worked with her at Mac User and Macworld, and she is the author of Take Control of Siri. Is that what it's called, Sean? That's what it's called. That's it. Out this week. It's out this week. This is timely book promotion, <laughs> and uh, we might mention Siri later. Who knows? It's probably true. <laughs> probably going to happen. Uh, all right. I will kick things off. I have been up to my elbows in my Mac Mini this week trying to fix a drive problem, banging my head against the floor as I keep running into new problems. So my question for you folks is, do you try to repair any of your hardware these days, uh, or are you more of a just throw it out and get a new one uh, person, or are there certain types of hardware that you're willing to like take a crack at, and others you're just like, no, it's just easier to replace? Flo, how do you deal with your hardware problems? If it's my PC, I'm going to go to, I still try to go to Fry's and buy parts. I try not to, I try not to go online first, you know, because I like the experience of having, you know, a Saturday and going to the store with my husband and we pick out hardware to fix, it becomes a project. (laughs) And it's nice because it reminds me, it just reminds me of being a young, bored teenager in the suburbs trying to like build a PC. So for that, yes, I, I do like to try and work on my own PCs. Uh, but when it comes to things like phones, of which you know I have many of, I have many phones and IoT things in the house. Those are not exactly things that I can kind of go out and buy a part for, and it, they're not user serviceable, really. Um, when you think about it, it's manufactured wants you to send them back to them if you had a problem. So I feel like with the way that technology is moving, I'm less and less inclined to fix things because they just don't seem very fixable yeah i i agree that there are certain classes of products that just are not fixable but you'd be surprised what is fixable and that the internet uh has made more fixable so um i don't know if they count as as uh tech products but they're definitely hardware i have in the last couple of years fixed my washing machine twice uh fixed my dishwasher uh, in 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 places where i would previously have had to call somebody in fact we tried to call somebody to repair them and could not find somebody willing to repair our brand of washing machine anywhere near us and i finally decided okay i will go on youtube i will learn how to fix it i will order the replacement parts if necessary from the internet because you can do that now there are amazing youtube videos out there and i have successfully repaired uh, multiple appliances in our house also my weather station 
conversation that I've had for 15 years. Just mm-hmm. uh, the rain uh, sensor on it died, and I was really bummed out. I was like, oh, "Well, it's reached the end. I'm going to have to. Uh, I'm going to have to get a new weather station." And but it served me well. And then I realized, you know, I, I bet you I could just get a replacement rain sensor for it. Uh, even though it's a 15-year-old device, I bet they're available on the internet. And sure enough, there was a whole rain housing replacement that I was able to get for like 40 bucks. I replaced it yesterday, and now it works again. So instead of getting rid of that, that thing that's lasted outside for 15 years, I'm going to just keep on... I'm going to keep on using it because it, it's still working. So if I can repair it, I love it. I know that our little tiny devices aren't repairable anymore, but you'd be surprised at what stuff you can repair yourself if you give it a shot. And YouTube videos can help a lot. I would say that in our household, things don't actually break that much. I don't find like <laughs> I used to that that um, my computers break. What they do is they get too slow. So we have a a reuse hierarchy in our house. And that is when a computer starts to get too slow, it moves down to test computer status. Mm. And when it's too old to run um, new enough software to be a test computer, it goes down to kid status. And then when it gets too slow for the games that my teenager wants to to, um, run, then it goes down to the littler kids' games. So that's pretty much how things go here is they just keep getting bumped down um, to whoever has the, the... least need for a fast computer. Um, I actually have always thought of cell phones as being disposable until the iPhone battery replacement uh, came along. Mm -hmm. And I had an iPhone 6 that I did get a, you know, the inexpensive battery replacement that Apple offered. And I was kind of amazed that that made such a big difference. I kept that iPhone happily after that battery replacement um, until actually last month. so that kind of changed my mind about how how much the battery makes a difference for how frustrating um, our cell phones can be. Um, but in general, that's I don't really find that things break that much. Um, and usually I, I find that we can squeeze a lot of use out of them if we just rethink what they're going to be used for. Yeah, sadly, I don't have anybody to trickle down this Mac Mini to. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's frustrating because it's in really good shape otherwise, and it's perfectly competent for all the things i need it for uh but unfortunately all those tasks do require a hard drive so i'm still going to need to fix it at some point because (laughs) but i've gotten so frustrated my temptation is to just like chuck it and buy a new one and i'm like no restrain that i know you want the new shiny thing but this thing is fine you just need to get it working again so i I like flow i mean i really enjoy sort of tinkering around with the insides of uh of pcs and stuff like that i think it's I, you know, I, I was never one to work on cars, for example, but I feel like it's very similar to the way that some people really enjoy tinkering on old cars where you could actually do that. Um, and I don't really spend as much time, you know, trying that with uh, with newer devices, although it's very funny. A couple of friends came to me recently with problems with like, oh, my, my iPhone's got this charging problem. I was like, have you tried cleaning out the lightning port? And they're like, oh, you can do that? <laughs> like, yeah, here, here's the instructions. Like, oh, my God, it works so much better now. So like, yeah, sometimes that is a first impulse. Not a bad idea. All it's right, a little th- frightening what you can pull out of that port. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> it's like a, a rabbit's foot comes out. <laughs> you pulled a rabbit's foot out of your lightning port. That is some serious <laughs> problem. All right, thank you all for your thoughts on that. Let us move to our second topic, which comes from Flow. Okay, so we've all been following, maybe, possibly, Mobile World Congress <laughs> this week. One little fad that seems to be taking over the globe is the multiple lens thing. For those who were paying attention to the Samsung event last week, Samsung announced not one, not two, but three cameras 
on the back of its Galaxy S10. Uh, they have a regular lens, a wide-angle lens, and a super zoom. Of course, they're not the only brand that's doing that. I mean, Nokia announced a uh, p- the PureView, Nokia 9 PureView, which has five rear cameras. Also, LG has three cameras on the back of a phone that they just announced. So there's like, there's just this rollout of multiple cameras everywhere. So it made me think, how does everybody feel about this sort of thing? Because uh, I am a primarily a Pixel 3 user and, um, you know, I'm surrounded by a lot of iPhone using folks. And for us, those of us in that camp, we have phones that do a lot of uh, computational photography that are doing a lot of the hard work uh, in the software side instead of relying on those extra lenses. So I'm wondering... How does everybody feel about the idea? Like, is this just a gimmick, putting in all of these lenses in a smartphone? Or do you feel like that's something that you would benefit from having the phone be the camera that you always have on you? I personally am not really using them. But everybody else, how do you feel? First off, I'd like to welcome everybody to the Clockwise Podcast Congress, which is the new name of this show. (laughs) I just decided that. Uh, Sorry, Dan. (laughs) You stuck with it now. All right. Um, because it just like we come together and it's a congress so why would it not be that the name True. it's totally True. logical um and it gives us a european flair anyway um <laughs> i actually i i don't care how many cameras are on the back of my phone i really care about the pictures i get out of it and what i can mm-hmm. do with it and i i think the problem with the uh, we're adding cameras to the back of our phones thing is that it becomes like a megapixel race where the number of cameras maybe matters more than what you get out of it and that's silly right like if you add cameras and it and the reviews come out and they say this doesn't do anything why is this even there then that's silly um that said i know that there's definitely been a lot of research into you know there's computational photography stuff that involves taking things from multiple lenses or having a couple you know since the phones are so skinny having them purpose built for different tasks and intelligently switching among them maybe that's a use for there but i would i would be fine if there was like a bug eye on the back of my phone that was that was like 80 lenses and and a bunch of different sensors and and you know it might look weird or it might even be invisible but um in the end it doesn't really matter what matters is can i take the picture i want uh, whether it's a wide angle or a or a close in or a zoom or whatever and i know that there's a lot of physics issues with the thickness of phones so um i'll take as many cameras as i want to put back there as long as they're actually being used for something that i that i want to do with my with my phone um, I agree. I think the multiple cameras become too many cameras when they make your smartphone cumbersome to use, um, either while you're shooting or after you've taken the shot. I mean, you know, just there is only a limited amount of space on the back of a phone. So at a certain point, like, where are you going to put your hand if it's completely covered with cameras? Um, but uh, like Jason said, it's about what picture you get. So I think the software is what's going to make the magic here. Um, I really like the idea that you have a different lens for special uses, the optical zoom, the wide angle lens, um, all that. I mean, that sounds really cool, but a lot of people aren't going to spend the time or, or just don't have the knowledge to sort through that unless the software is doing it for you intelligently. So uh, I think that's what's going to, be the proof is how well is that information that the camera is gathering presented to the user so that they can make something beautiful. Uh, to paraphrase uh, a classic Onion article, screw it! 
We're going to seven lenses. Uh, and we may very well be there soon enough. I think Jason and Charlie are both right that the software is a big piece of what makes photography tick these days. Certainly, there are things that you can't do easily in software that require those different lenses, right? Like the, the telephoto zoom thing. You, you've got a digital zoom, but in most cases, you know, it, it's pretty crappy once you get past a, a certain distance because of all the pixelation. And so it's really, so far anyways, not going to be a replacement for a good optical zoom lens. Similarly, wide angle stuff like it's harder to do that in software because your lens can only capture so much information um but i think charlie's got a good point about like exposing that in terms of the ui because you know you don't want to have a list just like an, an endless list of here's all the five different cameras that you can choose from in this shot because when you're just trying to take a picture you don't want to have to deal with that so having a system that recognizes what you're trying to shoot and provides you with the best option or takes multiple pictures and lets you choose later from the best options are, I think, uh, major major enhancements that you could have. I also particularly like, I think it's the it's the Pixel 3 that has the wide-angle front-facing lens too, right? Um, mm-hmm. Which is also a cool idea. I, I think that, you know, as long as we're sticking five cameras on the back, let's stick some more on the front while we're at it because it's just... <laughs> There's plenty of room, right? I, I like the implementation on the Pixel 3 because in the front-facing camera, the, to use it, all you have to do is zoom out in the viewfinder versus on a Samsung phone where you have to go into that specific mode to use that lens. Mm. So I think I absolutely agree. The less cumbersome we can make it and the more user-friendly, the more people will maybe appreciate having that wide-angle lens. I mean, who doesn't want to fit more people into a photo? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unless they're people you don't like. I mean, that's always an option. Right, exactly. <laughs> all right, that is two topics down to two topics ago, which of course means it is halftime here at Clockwise, and this week's episode is brought to you by our friends at FreshBooks. Everyone likes to save time, but it's especially important when you're a freelancer, and I can totally vouch for that. Our friends at FreshBooks can save you up to 192 hours with their super simple cloud accounting software for freelancers. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork. FreshBooks automates late payment email reminders so you can spend less time chasing payments and more time working your own personal brand of magic. When you email a client an invoice, FreshBooks can also show you whether they've seen it, which puts an end to the guessing games. If you're listening to this and you're not using FreshBooks yet, now is the time to try it. FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this very show. No credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com clockwise and enter clockwise in the how did you hear about us section We'd like to thank FreshBooks for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, that's it for halftime. Let me kick it over to Jason Snell. All right, well, folding phones. We are in the era now of folding phones, and it's not just weird companies uh, making them anymore like Royal. We actually have in the last week plus gotten two major companies with major folding phone announcements, Samsung with the Galaxy Fold last week. And this week at Mobile World Congress, Huawei with the Mate X, uh, they take very different approaches to the foldable phone. Which one seems like a better phone to you? Well, I think that they both really look cool. I mean, when you go watch the video and they fold it out and suddenly this big screen lights up, it is eye-catching. Um, I, I can't quite see how the Huawei, that, that the screen is always exposed, that it's wrapped around the outside... I can't see how durable that's going to be. So that's really the thing that kind of just sticks for me is, am I, would I, I mean, I don't think I would ever buy a $2,600 foldable phone, but if I did, if I had money to burn, I think I would be a little concerned that it would get all scratched up. Like, are you supposed to put it in your pocket? Like 
that the durability was the thing that kind of stuck for me. Whereas the um, Galaxy Fold, where it folds like a book, that seemed that seemed more logical to me. But um, that's just from looking at the pretty pictures. Mm, that's I, about all anybody can do right now. <laughs> I I agree with Shali that like on the in the like just sort of initial response I had was like, oh yeah, you open it like a book. That makes perfect sense. And then having seen both of them in in the pictures, I actually think the the Made X looks better and more compelling to me. Uh, there's something about not having to worry about having like the tiny little screen on the outside. It's not a tiny little screen, but like it looks clunkier that way to me. <laughs> and I think that the the Mate X looks much sleeker and much more well designed. Certainly durability, I think is is totally true. That's definitely a concern. How is that going to hold up? Um, but I think all of these are kind of have to deal with that to a certain extent because we're talking about plastic coverings. Because obviously, unless somebody's invented flexible glass, we uh, we kind of are limited in what we can get away with there. Um, so the, the yeah the the Mate X to me looks like a, a much more interesting implementation. But I'm glad that we've got room for both of them because I think you know this is one of those cases where people are going to try a lot of different types of uh, solutions for these foldable screens. I'm looking forward to like slide sliders and like all sorts of wacky ideas. And sooner or later, you know, we'll eventually come to a consensus probably on what is the best way to design foldable phones. But right now the field's kind of wide open and they all have their, their pros and their cons. So uh, we're gonna have to wait till they get out in the real world before we can really decide, I think, which one is the, is the right implementation. Flo, what do you think? What do I think? Well, I think... We can't even consider the Huawei device because in America, Huawei is, is not <laughs> yeah. forbidden, not, not really allowed here. So we pretty much only have the Samsung device to really <laughs> choose from. Uh, but in terms of in terms of implementation and how that sort of like drives uh, the tech going forward, I think I think we're going to see a hybrid of these two. I think they both are innovative in their own right. I think that we are going to see a use for foldable screens in the next couple of years. I could see these really, I could see these really helping, uh, really helping a a subset of uh, of users who just really want something that is a two in one because you know they they can't. They can't drop the money on everything. I mean, there's only so much money people have in this world for tech. Uh, and so it'd be nice to see these things actually become affordable in the next couple of years so that a person could have a a phone tablet if they wanted to. I really, I like the way the, the Huawei works, but I agree that having the display on the outside is just a little too perilous for me as a person. And uh, I like the way the Samsung one folds because it's basically hiding hiding the part that is the most precious which is the the tablet part and then uh and and it's it's like a nice little book and i don't know i'm i'm into it i know some people think it's clunky <laughs> but i'm into it and i'm i'm looking forward to see how this quote unquote unfolds uh i see what you did there oh boy oh boy well i i prefer the huawei mate uh, 10 just on the look of it because i like the idea that you've the, i like the way it folds i like the way it looks but i will grant you that samsung is the like 
inventor of this screen technology, basically, and the fact that they're hiding the big foldable mm-hmm. screen on the inside suggests to me that they are reluctant to have you stick one of these screens in your pocket where i mean people iphone uh, users freaked out about the fact that there's glass on the front and back of the iphone Mm, again mm. Uh, imagine the the whole (laughs) surface of your phone that's rubbing against dust and and sand and stuff your whole phone becomes your screen screen. Yeah, maybe not. So I, I think the Huawei Mate 10 is beautiful, and uh, I think in the future the phones will, that are foldable will probably look more like it. But if I was buying one today, which I'm not, and as Flo pointed out, I, I can't, <laughs> I, uh, I would be reluctant to get the Mate X just because of that. So I think it's too early to, for anyone to buy any of these, but uh, they're fun to talk about. All right, that's it for me. Shali, do you have our last topic? I have our last topic, and it's about Siri. <gasps> Um, I was curious, so I just wrote this book about Siri. Uh, I was curious, do you guys use Siri regularly? And if so, what are your favorite ways? And if not, why not? I try. I really do. I really want Siri to succeed. I am in favor of Siri. <laughs> and I just get so frustrated sometimes. Um, and, and I have a house full of voice-activated uh, devices. I've got uh, Echoes. I've got a Sonos One. I have some Google Homes that are not currently hooked up, but I've used them in the past. And I, I love the idea of voice control. I actually think this is a really, a really important technology and one that has actually changed a lot of the conversation. Um, but Siri is frustrating um i had to turn it off on my home pods because it had too many false positives uh i try to use it on my phone sometimes and i find that the bounds of what you can or can't get it to do are often very frustrating yesterday i was uh, sitting in the living room and i was working on the aforementioned mac mini i was like oh i wonder if i can just yell at siri and have it start playing something on my home pods and it just like started playing it on the little phone speaker and i was like then I could never get its attention again. It was like, oh, why is this such a problem? So uh, really what I end up using it the most for is uh, setting timers and getting the weather report occasionally um, and playing music. I do use it a fair amount for playing music, um, triggering like on my Bluetooth headphones and telling it to play a certain song. Uh, but more often than not, I, I ask it to do things and it, it, ha- it struggles with, um, you know, uh, I, I, you know, tell it to play a song or something and it misinterprets the song as the name of an app. And instead is like, oh, you can't open that app until you unlock your iPhone. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is so annoying. So I, I like Siri, but I've, I have found it to be unreliable, sadly. So I don't use Siri because I don't use Apple products um, as uh, as some people out there may know, I have very much a Google household. Uh, That's what I have outfitted in my house. And so I use the Google Assistant constantly. In fact, this morning, I use the new, um, there's a a new interpreter feature, which you can use to practice another language. And so this morning, I used it to practice my Romanian, which is how I like to start out my work days, um, to kind of, you know, get myself into that mode. I will say just the Google Assistant, I mean, I... I use it for randomly playing music. It, it plays uh, where I last left off on Spotify, which is great because if I was in a playlist or on a radio station, it'll stay on that. Uh, it it obviously does have a lot of finicky times, a lot of false positives. And actually, I've taken out a couple of Google Homes in my house and consolidated uh, a couple of devices so I can have fewer microphones. And I actually took it off of, of my phones 
Um, so it's only usable in several rooms of the house, which is like the kitchen, the office, and the living room, which is honestly the only places we want it to be used. So that's that's been my life with the Google Assistant. I do want to say, though, just as an outsider watching uh, the tech news, that I see... I see Siri really growing up in the next couple of years, and I see it becoming a real contender because Amazon and Google have just been doing so much with their assistance, and I, I have a feeling uh, Apple's going to come out of the out of the the bushes somehow and say, "Look, we have this special thing <laughs> it can do." So I'm waiting for that. I'm I'm curious to see what's next. Apples aren't in bushes. Flow, they're on trees. <laughs> I know. I, I, that's the thing that first came to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's good. I like it. I like the idea that the apple is lurking in a bush and it's going to spring out and go, ah, oh, Siri. Uh, um, I uh, use Siri regularly because I have HomePods, and so I shout at it to try to play things, and sometimes it interprets me properly, and sometimes it doesn't. I, uh, I, I will mention that I actually use the Amazon voice assistant, whose name I shall not utter here, um, <laughs> as well, because we have an Echo in our kitchen, and that is uh, what syncs with our shopping list app. And so uh, for timers in the kitchen and for putting things on the shopping list, we are still using um, the Amazon assistant for lots of reasons, including the fact that if I leave the house with my phone and my phone is the one that's connected to the HomePods, then the HomePod ceases to function as mm. anything but a music player basically because it won't attach to like cloud databases and stuff which is a major drawback so that's why the uh, amazon assistant is still going strong in our house i don't use siri anywhere else um mostly because i find like the mode switch of going from swiping and tapping to or typing to talking is uh such a hurdle that it's hard for me to get over it i i would much rather wake up my phone and tap on something than uh do the you know do the call sign and imagine how i'm going to phrase it so that it's interpreted properly and it's just it becomes too much for me so i don't do that very often um sometimes i'll do that on my watch when i'm starting a uh, a walk or something like that but that's about it so my my siri use is limited um and my voice assistant use is limited to basically the kitchen with the amazon assistant we had an Amazon Echo in our kitchen, and I, th- I think that that was what first really got us interested in how can you use a device in your kitchen. But that all came to an end for us when we went and we looked on Amazon to see what recordings it had made and discovered just a vast list of conversations of our children talking um, when they had not purposely uh, triggered the, the Echo. <laughs> It was really creepy. So we threw out our Echo. Um, and, and I will say that, that that is something just to consider with Siri versus other devices that one of the ways Apple has really been distinguishing itself, especially this last year, is with its privacy features. And I think when it comes to Siri, that's where it really shows. Um, I actually have always used Siri in the car. That's where, where I really used it. I don't have a fancy car with CarPlay, but um, but I would use Siri there just to start my playlists when I was on a long drive. Um, but once I, I upgraded all my technology to write these books, and once I got HomePods, uh, I love the HomePod. I, I really do. And it's become a really indispensable device in the kitchen. I use it for conversions. Like I always knew Siri could do conversions for me, but uh, I also love the integration with Apple Music, just that if I hear a song, I can say, add this to my la-di-di-blah playlist, and it'll automatically add the song to my warm-up playlist that I use at the gym or my running playlist. 
Um, so all that I find really useful. So I would say you should take a look at Siri again now because I feel like uh, a lot of things that were awkward, especially at the beginning of Siri, have gotten much more useful. And one of the fun things about writing the book was just being able to see how much love has been poured into Siri. I mean, it's just really funny. And that's what I appreciate most about Siri is you can feel the presence of the people sitting in the room at Apple trying to think of ways that it can be entertaining. And that is just a sign of great technology. It's, it's just fun to use. All right. That is four topics down. We have just enough time for a bonus topic. But first, this week's episode of Clockwise is brought to you by our friends at Burrow. Your home is important and you want to come home to somewhere that feels comfortable, maybe even looks stylish and is designed to fit you. Burrow is rethinking how people shop for and live with their sofa. That's why they let you easily customize a high quality sofa online and ship it for free in one week. The Burrow sofa adapts to your life. It's scratch and stain resistant, so you don't have to worry about spills. It has a built-in USB charger so you can charge your devices right from the couch. Fabric is totally free of harmful chemicals and the frame is made from sustainably sourced hardwood. And it's a sofa that grows with you. You can make bros bigger at any time by adding new pieces, and you can easily set up and disassemble them with no tools required. Bro sofas are designed for comfort. You can customize every detail, pick comfy low armrests or stylish high ones. The proprietary foam is supportive yet super cozy. And don't forget to check out their line of stylish pillows and throws. And it's all made from soft hand-woven fabric ready to complement your new sofa. Burrow was recently named one of the best inventions of 2018 by Time Magazine, and you can get $75 off your award-winning Burrow sofa by visiting burrow.com slash clockwise. That's B-U-R-R-O-W, burrow.com slash clockwise for $75 off your order. Our thanks to Burrow for their support of Clockwise and all of Relay FM. All right, bonus topic. The Oscars were this past weekend, and I just want to know very briefly, what was your choice for best picture of last year? Flo? Uh, Roma, 100%. I mean, I loved Into the Spider-Verse, and I'm glad it won an Oscar, but I think I agree with Flo. Roma is a pretty spectacular piece of work, and if you've got Netflix, you can watch it. Turn the lights down, put down your phones, and uh, it's beautiful. I didn't see Roma yet, but I did see Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and it was phenomenal. So just for the animation alone... We're going to even out two for two because I'm going to go with Into the Spider-Verse as well, but only because I didn't see Roma last year. (laughs) All right. Well, that is our Oscar picks, and that is the end of our show. All that remains is to thank our guests. Flo Ion, thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys so much for having me. And Sholly McFarland, thank you. Thank you. And Dan, thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Jason. And thank you all out there for listening. We remind you, till next week, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.